Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Susie Yon in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Donald Trump has become the first president to be impeached for a second time. He's been charged with inciting an insurrection following last week's siege at the U.S. Capitol. During yesterday's debate, a lot of Republican lawmakers argued against impeachment. The left in America has incited far more political violence than the right. I call bullcrap when I hear the Democrats demanding unity. Sadly, they are only unified in hate. It will only serve to further divide a nation that is calling out for healing. And many Democrats, as well as 10 Republicans, were for it. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation. Root out white supremacy, starting with impeaching the white supremacist in chief. Vote for this, for our Constitution, for democracy, for history. Here's what some of the members of the Illinois delegation had to say. We must come together in unity today against that domestic threat to our Constitution. Never as a criminal defense attorney did I say, Judge, yeah, my guy completed the armed robbery, but let's heal now. I agree with my Democratic colleagues. I also agree with my Republican colleagues. Let's unite. Let's unite to address this pandemic and start by simply wearing a mask. That last voice was freshman Congresswoman Marie Newman. Newman wasn't just trying to score political points with her mask comments. Three Democratic lawmakers tested positive for COVID-19 after locking down during the Capitol siege with Republican colleagues who refused to wear masks. Illinois Congressman Brad Schneider received a positive test after the lockdown. On Wednesday, he voted by proxy to impeach President Donald Trump. He joins us now on the line. Congressman Schneider, welcome back to Reset. It's good to be here. Uh, well, before we get to the impeachment vote, I mean, how are you doing right now? I'm um, in isolation in my basement. The good news is uh, my symptoms are, are mild. I hope they stay that way. And uh, like so many people around the country, you know, this is a awful pandemic. Uh, I consider myself very lucky, and I'm counting my blessings. Well, we're glad to hear that. I mean, in the first place, how, how did you come to get the COVID-19 diagnosis? Uh, were you experiencing any symptoms, or was it just because you were grouped with so many people that you decided to take a test? No, if I didn't have symptoms, I knew, you know, Wednesday in the uh, attack on the Capitol, uh, as we were evacuating the, the chamber, social distancing went out the window. Everyone was uh, bunch close together. We then got to the secure location, and you had, you know, upwards of 200 people in a, a relatively tight space. So I knew my exposure was greater there than at any time through the, the entire pandemic. I've been driving back and forth to Washington lately, not flying, just because I was concerned about travel anyway. I drove home Friday. I um, waved at my wife, stayed separated. Uh, I'd been uh, sleeping in, a, in the basement bedroom already. I was tested Saturday, tested negative. That was reassuring. But then on Monday, uh, the house physician sent a notice that someone in the room had been positive and recommended everyone get a more sophisticated PCR test, which I did Monday. And that was uh, concluded on Tuesday that I was positive. Wow. What was going on through your mind during the lockdown? When we were in the chamber, you know, I, I was grateful for the Capitol Police. They were heroes. I was always confident that we would get out. I, I, you know, we, we didn't know exactly what was happening outside the doors, but uh, I had faith in the Capitol Police that they would keep us safe as they did. I was worried about our country, and as I've had time to step away, it's now been eight days. 
I continue to be worried about our, our country. You know, last week the president organized a, a rally, called people to Washington, and instructed them to head to the Capitol. He organized, incited, and instructed these people to go and attack the Capitol. But more than just the Capitol, they attacked our Constitution uh, and our form of government. They were trying to overthrow our democratic republic. And uh, I still have great concerns about that. We need to unite as a country, uh, hold all those to account, including the president, as we did yesterday with the first step with an impeachment vote in the House, and make sure nothing like this ever happens again. What do you say to your Republican colleagues who insist that impeachment will further divide the nation? Failing to take action will divide the nation or leave the nation divided. The only way we can get to uh, the future our children deserve is to directly uh, address and understand the truth. The fact of the matter is we had an election that was the most participated election in our country's history, uh, almost 160 million. Each state conducted the election as designated by our Constitution. Uh, they were certified by every state, and Joe Biden won the election. Uh, the Republicans won more seats in the House. We, we didn't lose the majority as Democrats, but we lost the size of our majority. It's a very narrow majority. And the Democrats, with the two races last week in Georgia, won control of the Senate. That's how our government was designed to work. And there are winners and losers. And no matter what the outcome of this election, we know we have another election in two years. And there are, are many calls for unity. Um, what is the path to unity? What, what needs to happen to get there? Acknowledging the truth of the election, working to unite the country behind the, the new administration, not asking anyone to give up their principles, not asking anyone to switch parties. If you're a Democrat, God bless you. If you're a Republican, God bless you. If you're neither, but you believe in the country and working to solve our problems, you know, we all have to find our, our place together to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I have long been committed to bipartisanship. I stand by that. But you can't build the bridge anchored in quicksand. We have to anchor on the the bedrock of of our Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm working to do. Well, turning back to the impeachment, we're unlikely to see a Senate trial before uh, President Trump leaves office. And some are calling out the hypocrisy of leader Mitch McConnell calling the Senate back a week before the election to vote on Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. What's your take on that? Well, we've seen uh, throughout his entire tenure as majority leader that Mitch McConnell puts his priorities first and foremost, and is willing to to move mountains to get what he thinks is important done. There's no reason he couldn't call the Senate back. That said, I think there are are two pieces. I talked about accountability and how important that is for us to go forward. At the current moment, we are also focused on national security, continuity of government, and orderly transition of power. And so whether the trial starts this week, next week, or next month, I I think is less important so long as we hold those to account and, and justice is served. Mm-hmm. Uh, separately, we need to make sure we make it through the next week uh, and uh, have the inauguration of the new administration, the transfer of power, as we have done every year uh, since uh, 1796. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess 1797 was the transition, the election of 1796. That is the history of our country. We need to make sure it's a legacy we pass on to our mm-hmm. children. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what's ahead for Inauguration Day. Uh, but I want to ask you, in order to convict President Trump, the Senate would need 67 votes. How likely do you think we are to find 17 Republicans who want to impeach the president? So, you know, time will tell. There will be a trial and, and each senator will make their own decision. I did not have this thought originally. I heard someone else say it today, but I think it's a, a poignant idea. President Trump can have a huge effect on on what that outcome is likely to be. If President 
Trump steps up, speaks out, condemns the violence, calls for unity in the country, and, and moves us peacefully through the next week to the inauguration, I think he will find that uh, people in the Senate will look favorably to that. If he continues down this path of incitement and uh, rejection of our Constitution, I, I would expect more people will look less favorably. Well, what questions do you still have about how the insurrection unfolded? Um, you know, how a mob of extremists managed to breach the steps of the U.S. Capitol? I have a lot of questions. You know, this was a a, a series of, of not small failures building up to one colossal failure, but several colossal failures at the very beginning. It was a predictable event. It should have been a preventable event and must have been uh, managed better uh, along the lines. There was no surprise. There was social media talking about what was happening. We saw it forming not just on that day of January 6th, but the, the days and weeks leading up to it as the president was calling people to Washington. The FBI, as we're learning, had intelligence that people are saying was not fully shared. Uh, decisions were made not to call for help. All of these things need to be investigated and understood and we need to, to put in the measures and the, and the control so nothing like this ever happens again. And we uh, know that the National Mall will be closed on um, Inauguration Day, but do you have concerns that something like this could happen again, even as we look towards that day? Do you know what sort of uh, amped preparations are being made that that will be different from what we saw last week? You know, the, the first key difference is you have 20,000 National Guard uh, in Washington, the you know the mall is going to be closed. The, the area around the Capitol has been secured. The idea that we have more National Guards people in Washington than active duty troops in Iraq and Afghanistan is is just stunning and and tragic. Uh, but uh, the inauguration is a national security event. Security preparations have been taking place not just over the last week, but over the last years and. Uh, we're counting on the agencies across our government to make sure the inauguration goes off mm-hmm. successfully. And I want to kind of return to lawmakers not wearing masks. Um, I understand lawmakers may face thousands of dollars in fines for refusing to wear a mask on the House floor. What details do you have about who will be in charge of dishing out and collecting those fines? I'm not sure how the termination will be, and everything that happens on the floor is on camera, so it's not hard to see who has a mask and who doesn't have a mask. Uh, the fines were set up, I believe, at $500, first fine, $2,500, second fine. It's taken out of members' pay, so it, it is not something that they can pay with from campaign funds or from their uh, what's called a mem- members' representational allowance or, or, or funds that operate our office and help us serve our constituents. So this is um, serious. Mm-hmm. It's not a hard thing. Uh, yeah. Wear a mask. Tragic and unfortunate that it's become a political issue. It shouldn't be a political issue. Wearing a mask is common courtesy, decency, uh, respect for the people around us. And uh, so you know, I, I support the decision. And I, I, I regret that so many of my colleagues among the Republicans for the past year have, have viewed masks as a political statement. Yeah. We're less than a week away now from Inauguration Day. What are you most looking forward to in a Biden administration? And, and what should Democrats prioritize right now? Well, the first priority has to be dealing with the pandemic. By the time we get to the inauguration, it very likely will be close to, if not more than 400,000 lives lost. Already this year, today's the 14th, so two weeks of the year, we've had more than 2 million cases diagnosed, including myself, uh, obviously. And we should be doing so much better at fighting the pandemic, helping people who get sick, helping those affected by the pandemic economically, uh, as well as in their physical health. 
uh, we, we just have to do a much better job. So that has to be the first priority. But parallel to that, uh, we've got to be planning to um, get our economy back on a healthy track. You saw the jobless claims, our unemployment claims uh, today were high. Last month, we, we lost jobs. We didn't add jobs in the economy. We need to get the economy on a path to recovery and renewal uh, so that we can secure a future for our kids. Those are the first two things. And then there are so many other things from immigration to protecting our environment to, to everything else that we expect of our government. That's Congressman Brad Schneider of Illinois' 10th District. Congressman, thank you so much, and a speedy recovery to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let me just take a chance to thank everyone who sent me good wishes. It's, I, I feel the energy, and it's helping keep me healthy. Thank you. Let's turn now to Aaron Del Mar, Palatine Township Republican Committeeman. He's former Cook County Republican chairman and a past Trump delegate. Aaron, welcome back to Reset. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, well, first, uh, your reaction to President Trump being impeached for a second time. Well, I think that after the actions that we saw at the Capitol, it's not really surprising to see that the House has taken this impeachment to the next level. And, you know, we're just waiting to see what uh, the Senate's going to do whenever they decide to bring the articles of the impeachment um, to the Senate. Well, how much responsibility do you think the president bears for last week's attack on the Capitol? I think the president um, should bear all the responsibility for for what happened. You know, I think that in his aggressiveness to try to overturn the election, that he incited the storming of the Capitol and that all of those actions should really fall on him to be responsible for them. And unfortunately, you know, there was such a significant loss of life. Over five people died there. It's It could have easily been avoided. And, you know, a lot of times in liability claims you hear, you know, either knew or should have known. And the president either knew or should have known that his rhetoric and his statements were going to incite his followers to do some actions like this. Well, Illinois Congressman Adam Kinzinger is one of only 10 House Republicans who voted in favor of impeachment. He didn't speak on the House floor yesterday, but he explained his vote last night on PBS's NewsHour. Let's take a listen. When you have the president of the United States, the Article 2 part of the Constitution, incite and send and ignite a mob to attack at the Article 1 branch, that is nothing short of an insurrection. I think most people uh, can look at that and know that the president has both built the foundation and executed the command to do it. And if that is not impeachable, I don't know what is. Now, Aaron, the congressman acknowledged that he's likely to face political repercussions for his yes vote on impeachment. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he's definitely going to be facing repercussions for his votes and for his rhetoric that he has. You know, one thing that people need to understand is that there's two real parts about what's happening. The first part is the true um, legalities of responsibility um, President Trump has regarding the actions that took place at the Capitol. The second part of it is the political fallout that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of different politicians nationwide are trying to feather their own bed. And uh, Representative Kinzinger is one of them. This is not new for him. I believe that he is really looking for higher office. He knows that in Illinois, if he wants to run for governor or for Senate, that Trump is incredibly unpopular. So he's taking the position in the lane of, I'm going to be an anti-Trumper, and that's going to you know, lead me to higher office. I don't necessarily think that he's fully authentic in his positions. I think a lot of it is political rhetoric, calling the attack on the Capitol and, you know, a, a potential coup. I mean, that is just inflammatory. So I think, uh, you know, he's, his name has been discussed for potentially as a gubernatorial candidate, um, somebody to run against Tammy Duckworth for Senate. 
So I think some of these other senators that were there, like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, were taking the position like, hey, you know, we're going to take the lane of supporting the president, letting his supporters, you know, have their time to be heard. And that will help us in our political aspirations for president or whatever they're running for. And if it doesn't work out, you know, we have six years before we're back up. Most people have forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. And after people stormed the Capitol, that blew up in their face. And now they're facing even stronger repercussions. They're even going after their law licenses in each of their states. So this has really turned out to be a real big mess. And I think it's a loser for pretty much everybody in the United States. And there should be some level of compromise. You know, President Trump should be held accountable, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't be locking up the Senate right now to the point where, you know, the incoming pres- uh, president-elect Biden can't get his government and his cabinet through. And, you know, we're going to continue on this path of partisanship for the next six to eight mm-hmm. months. And I'm wondering what you think of, um, you know, some Republicans say removing Trump from office will only further divide the nation. And they say lawmakers should instead be focused on unifying the nation. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, is that is that possible right now? Yeah, in this moment? it is. And there's two points of it. One of the things people should remember is that when Gerald Ford became president, one of the reasons that he pardoned Richard Nixon is because he wanted to move the country forward. Now, I'm not suggesting that Joe Biden forgive and uh and exonerate, you know, President Trump. But there was some thoughts to that, that, hey, the only way that we're going to be able to move forward is to get this whole Nixon thing behind us. And I think there's some points that are relative to where we are now. We need to get this whole Trump thing behind us. Part of the reason I think that people don't want to be talking about this anymore is that in the Senate, once they bring these articles of impeachment to the Senate, the Democrats are going to be making a play and they're going to put every Republican senator on center stage and says, hey, are you going to vote for or against impeaching and removing the president? The ones that don't vote to remove the president, that's going to be used against them in their next election. The ones that do are going to be used in the next election. So it puts the Republicans in a halfback. The Republicans that want to remove the president most of them are going to be running for president in 2024, and they want to get him off the political stage so they have a better shot because he's going to take a strong percentage of the Republicans with him no matter what he does. And if they take the piece where he can't be president off the table, um, that gives other people an opportunity and doesn't suck out the oxygen from the room. Well, what are your thoughts on how the impeachment vote and everything else that's been going on in Washington will impact the Republican Party here locally? I mean, you know, we we talked about Kinzinger and he uh, indicated yesterday that he's going to have to think hard about whether he'll still identify as a Republican. Um, Is the party here headed for a split? Yeah, most definitely. And I think, you know, there's always been a rift in the Republican Party that there's a strong conservative side and then there's a moderate and they've always been at war. Um, That's been the case since, since I've been around. But I believe that even more now, the brand of Republicans has been decimated in a lot of places here in Illinois, where the concerns are even at the local level, most people are going to be voting straight ticket Democrat just because they're so aggravated and upset and disgusted by what's happening on in national politics. And, and that's a big mistake. A lot of the really good governments and local municipalities in Illinois that are, are run by predominant Republicans are having a lot of success. And with that big change in government, you know, there could be a lot of fallout in services and some of the other things that people have become dependent on. The Republican Party really needs to re-identify itself or it's going to become the party of Whigs. If Donald Trump goes and creates the Trump Party, if people like Adam Kinzinger go and they say, you know what, I'm going to identify as an independent, we're going to lose a lot of really good elected officials. We're going to lose a lot of our base and we'll never be able to recover. So the Republican Party really needs to look at their platform, what we stand about, and get back to where 
we were in the past, that we are a conservative party, that we are a party about small government and lower taxes and sticking to those points. And I think that's going to be a winning a winning argument. Mm-hmm. Well, President-elect Joe Biden will take office next week. Uh, what does the future of the GOP look like under a Biden administration, you think? I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how the new administration and now that he has control of both the House and the Senate, how far they push. If the AOCs and the more liberal part of the wing pulls them so far hard to the left, I think that you'll see a reemergence of the 2010 Tea Party that comes back. I think the United States itself is a pretty moderate group. You know, there's some on either side and they just want to be able to be successful in their lives and have safe water and be defended. And if the the Democrats take it too far to the left, if they're too ambitious in a lot of their liberal policies, I think that there's going to be a snapback and people will start looking for an alternative. And unfortunately, we only have a two-party system, so that only leaves them an opportunity to come back to the Republican Party. Well, uh, finally, as we wrap up here, you know, what are some of the issues that um, Republicans and Democrats can find common ground on? I think the number one thing is obviously is the coronavirus impact that it has to our economy and to our health system. And it's also shown a lot of improprieties of how it's affected different groups. So how minority groups and how people at the lower side of the income divide have been um, unequally impacted by the coronavirus. I think that's one that we can all agree on. I think that we can agree that there's a lot of issues that together that we can unite to it, having more transparency. I think that one of the things that Republicans and Democrats have both have been talking about is election security, and this Mm -hmm. has highlighted that. So creating new um, laws to ensure that there's good voting that's taking place. Um, some of these of, issues. Yeah, some of the ways to find unity. That's Aaron Delmar, Palatine Township Republican Committeeman. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. And that's today's Reset. For the best conversations from politics to the pandemic, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And take 30 seconds to give us a rating and a review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Susie Ann. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for more Reset from WBEZ Chicago. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.